Welcome to Calling a City to Life, a podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. Each week you'll hear from us two episodes, the talk and the chat. First up is the talk, and that's the audio version of this week's sermon as preached at Queen's Park Baptist. So this is your opportunity to listen to it again or to listen to it for the first time. And later on in the week, you'll be able to tune in again and download the chat that we gather around and discuss in a bit more detail some of the issues and themes raised in this week's talk. Thanks for tuning in to talk. We hope you enjoy it. And we look forward to you tuning in again later in the week. Enjoy. You're very uh, welcome. Uh, those of you who are visiting us, you are especially welcome. And uh, can I remind you, for those of you who have booked, there is a special kind of afternoon tea, whatever, um, in, the, um, in the basement after the service. Do hope you've booked in for that. If you haven't, I think there might be some tea and coffee available upstairs. Anyway, let's turn to God's Word as I welcome those of you who are joining us online. Uh, we're going to be reading uh, today from the book of Romans, and uh, Romans chapter 8. So if you want to just join me there, Romans 8, I'm going to read a little section. Um, from Romans 8, verse 9. This is God's word. You are not controlled by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, we have an obligation not to the sinful nature. For if you live according to the the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. This is God's word. Now, if you were to ask a bunch of random Christians, what is going wrong with the church in the UK? What's missing in Jesus' church in the UK in these days? If you were to ask that question, I suspect that you would be bombarded with a barrage of opinions, viewpoints, and maybe even recommendations. Because it seems to me that in Christ church in these days, we are not short of armchair analysts and advisors. I give you, for example, my inbox pretty much any day of the week, which overflows with advice about what is wrong, what is lacking, and what I should be doing with my life. It seems to me that if you were to look at the church, we are not sure of intelligence. 
I don't know why some of you are laughing. <laughs> We're not lacking in skills. We're not even lacking generally in the UK in financial resources. We're not lacking in these things. But where we are lacking is in our social impact in this country. We are lacking in our evangelistic fruitfulness. We are lacking in personal transformation. And I wonder sometimes if God would speak to us, he might speak using the words that he used to speak to the church at Laodicea in Revelations 3 verse 18. You say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth, and don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, our fundamental need is not physical resources or intellectual brilliance. We lack, in these days, spiritual power and life. And no amount of restructuring, deconstructing, deinstitutionalizing, dissociating, or whatever will fix it. We have, and this is not working, so Gavin, I'm over to you. We have what someone has called a pneumatological poverty. I thought I'd put that word up there because you're not going to forget it. It's a fancy word. To make a point, pneuma means spirit. We have a poverty, a deep deficiency, a fundamental need for the Holy Spirit in the church, in the UK, in these days. Some years ago, Billy Graham, the evangelist, said, the most desperate need today is that women and men who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a message, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't really matter. The point of this message is that we, God's people, need his Spirit and need to cry out to him for more of his Spirit. This is not an invitation today to dive into some charismatic jacuzzi spiritual self-indulgence, but it is a call for our lives to be immersed in the empowering presence of God, for each of us to be filled with the life breath that is God's gift to us in Jesus. Some clever person once said, we lack the Spirit because we leak the Spirit. And you may feel, if you're honest, that the presence of God's Holy Spirit in you has depleted for whatever reason over time. This is a moment to ask for that refilling. We've been thinking about Paul over these weeks. And Paul, if he was anything, was an apostle of the Holy Spirit. The churches that he served and invested in were surging with the power of the Spirit. They were brimming over with the life of the Spirit. Sometimes I wonder how arrogant we are to imagine that we no longer require these same resources that he knew to be essential. But I'm not here to beat us up this morning. I'm not here to 
drive you into a corner in fear, worrying about what the Holy Spirit might do. I want rather from Romans 8 to lift before you the beauty and the glory of what God has done by his Spirit and to invite you to come further up and further in to the ministry, the beautiful ministry of God's Spirit. I want to do that by painting a picture of what the Holy Spirit has welcomed us into. I want to tell us, first of all, that the Holy Spirit welcomes us into a land of supernatural life. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. This is the promise of God's personal presence with us. The Spirit is the giver of supernatural life, and he is our guide in this land of supernatural life. Now, it probably doesn't take me to tell you that we live in a society almost unprecedented in human history where we no longer believe in the spiritual realm. We live in a materialistic culture, and we no longer believe that our world is enchanted with the mystical and the supernatural. For example, our forebears were not weirded out by coronations of kings. They thought that what happened behind screens with mystical oil was sacramental. They thought that when things happened and hands were laid on people, that God did something. And we find ourselves struggling because everything around us tells us that all there is is what we can touch and feel and measure. And God is inviting us up and into a world that is beyond measuring, that is deeper than we can taste or feel. The Spirit comes to draw us into living in supernatural reality. So let me tell you about an Easter miracle. It's an Easter miracle that happened in our house, and it stunned our whole household. It happened Good Friday a number of years ago, about four or five years ago. After the reflection and the services, we usually go home, and it's kind of a bit of a tradition in our house to have a bit of a spring clean. And that's exactly what we were doing when we were going around the house, cleaning things up, when we heard this blood-curdling stream coming from upstairs. This was the cry of our daughter to say that her goldfish had gone. It had disappeared. I mean, completely vanished from its bowl. For some reason, it was discontent with going round and round and round in a tiny glass bowl all its life. And it decided to stretch out to pastures new. The only problem is, we didn't know where it was. Eventually, we found it, not on the carpet, not on the table, but tucked in behind a bookcase. And it was flat as a pancake. I mean, absolutely flat. Don't worry, it gets better. <laughs> we, and we wondered to ourselves, how long has he been like this? How long has he lain in this state of zombie goldfishness? What has gone on? Is this the end for our fish? 
Well, we picked him up, washed him down, put new water in his bowl, we laid hands on his fin. I'm not joking, this is all true. We prayed a quick prayer, and we put him in the water, and he landed side on, and he started swimming around on his side like that. Well, I did start swimming, just kind of floated around. And we looked, and slowly, 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 he began to move, and he began to dive down in a kind of dangerous, uncoordinated way, until eventually, in the course of about half an hour, he began to swim up to the surface and went back into his wonderful circle of going round and round the tank. Was he dead? I'm not sure. But lying on the carpet behind a bookcase was deadly. It was not the environment that he was intended for. He was intended for a life of immersion in the water of his bowl. And people, human beings, people of God, you are intended to be immersed in the life and the love of the Holy Spirit. That is our natural reality. That is the environment that God has made us for. And Paul in Romans 8 is saying that we have been, we have been relocated from the land of the spirit of death, flapping about on the floor, unable to save or help ourselves. We've been translated from there into the life-giving presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Guilt, shame, uncleanness has gone. It's buried and dead with him, and we have been plunged into the Spirit of God. We have been made alive with him. We need to be immersed, submerged, soaked, filled, plunged in the Holy Spirit. That is the natural environment for the Christian. You have been made in Jesus to live according to that supernatural location, not your historical experience. You see, you can't live the Christian life like a goldfish out of the bowl. You can't live the Christian life trying to breathe the fumes of a dead world. The Christian life is to be lived, submerged in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. For one afternoon, we had a zombie fish. But maybe for many afternoons, you've been a zombie Christian. <coughs> flapping about, seeking to live in your own skill, intelligence, and strength. What a tragedy when you could be immersed in the presence and power of the Spirit. You may well know that if you are flying in an aircraft, one of the pieces of advice that you are given is that if you are in an emergency, you are to adopt the brace position. I want to suggest this morning, as we respond to this word, that we need to adopt the spirit position. The intentional, habitual, continual invitation to God to fill us up to overflowing with the Spirit. Here's the first wonder, that the Spirit gives life. 
The Spirit is our natural habitat. The Spirit is a place of life and energy. And so choose to step in and submerge yourself in the Spirit. He brings us into the land of supernatural life. The second thing that we see here is that the Spirit brings us into the land of sonship. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. This is verse 15. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Here now is the promise of personal assurance. We've had the promise of personal presence in God. Now the promise of personal assurance. God brings us into a place where he offers us the gift of himself. We are adopted into relationship with him. Two things very simply to say about this. This is God's promise of intimacy, firstly. The Spirit inducts us into this intimate relationship with God. And he gives us this gift, this assurance of his fatherly love to us. Now, maybe your image of the Holy Spirit is of one who comes to disrupt like an explosive force, and the Spirit does that. But we need beyond that to have our perception, our understanding of the Spirit extended. And Romans 8 does that in many directions. But the Spirit comes in order that we would connect with God and understand Him and know Him as Father. Lucy Pepiat was here with us about six months ago, and she writes in this month's Christianity magazine, and she writes about the work of the Spirit in bringing us into intimacy with the Father. Her article is entitled, Better Than Fire. And she says this, the greatest gift the church received was not signs and wonders, but a fresh revelation of the love of God. And this is the testimony of those who have gone deep in the Holy Spirit, that knowing the Spirit's life and love in us is something that is just deeply transforming and assuring. Charles Finney was an evangelist back in the 1800s. He described an encounter with the Holy Spirit as waves and waves of liquid love. Sarah Edwards was the wife of theologian Jonathan Edwards during the Great Awakening in the United States. She described an experience of the Spirit like this. All night, I continued in a constant, clear, and lively sense of the heavenly sweetness of Christ's excellent and transcendent love. All night of his nearness to me and my dearness to him. The Spirit comes to manifest the assurance to us of God's love in Christ, that we are children of the Father. And the Spirit conveys that at Jesus' baptism. Remember, what is it the Spirit says? 
And the Spirit conveys this reality to Jesus as he hears the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I delight. Intimacy. The Spirit, too, speaks of the gift of inheritance. Now, it's tempting for all of us in our age of equality to talk about us all being sons and daughters of God. But Paul is actually using the language and the culture of his day. And in Roman culture, males, and whether they were adopted sons or biological sons, would be given the uh, inheritance of the father. So it was only something that was open to males. But Paul's point is that everyone, both male and female, have this status, the status of heirs. Now daughters, too, are sons. You can worry about all the gender issues around about that if you like. But in Christ, everyone who trusts in him are given the status of a son and an heir, full of the rights and access to God who is loving and graceful towards us. Two very simple things to say about that inheritance. The first thing to remind us is that when we come in the spirit in relationship to God as Father, God begins to reparent us as a perfect parent. None of us are or have had perfect parents. And it's so easy to back project our own experiences onto God. We want God to either be so like our special parent or so unlike our special, our special parent that we project a certain narrow perspective onto God. And we begin to shape our image of God according to our experience of parenthood in this world, good, bad, and indifferent. But God wants to show us who he is. He wants to show us what true fatherhood looks like. And God seeks to bring us into conformity with him. And that's why we need to get to know him and get to understand what the scriptures say about his character and his relationships. He seeks to reparent us. And he seeks to provide for us. God as Father is one who gives us gifts. And some of us think, well, I've not got very much to offer to God. I've not got any skills. I've got any abilities. That's not the point. The point is that what we have is given by God. And, and what we have been given, we are to use. And some of us need to take hold of that inheritance. We're failing to claim what God has actually already deposited in our account. Our inheritance is vast, it's rich, and perhaps the most unclaimed area of wealth in our world is that our spiritual gifts are unclaimed. We are to take hold of what God has provided for us. In God, in Christ, we have everything, but we need to take hold of what we've received. So, let me remind you, to adopt the position, to believe by faith and act in the light that we have been inducted into his personal presence, into the supernatural realm. Adopt the position of a supernatural son of God. 
and then appropriate the promise. Believe as God has told us that you are a son, an heir, gifted, loved by God himself. And then the third thing that the Spirit offers to us here is that the Spirit inducts us not only into a supernatural place, not only into a place of sonship, but into a place of suffering. Told you it was going to get good. This is maybe not so good. And uh, if you just to join with me in looking at verse 22, Paul describes in verse 22 how the whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. I have no idea what that feels like, just saying. Pains, some of you know exactly what that feels like. The pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. This is the promise of companionship. I was delighted that Raggy prayed out earlier on that we would understand God's companionship. You see, what happens is when the the life of God begins to pours through our veins and begins to transform us into the likeness of Christ, that new creation bumps up against old creation. Our new lives confront our tangled up old lives. Our new direction touches and clashes with the old direction of this world. The new wine of the Spirit, as Jesus puts it, collides with the old wineskin of a world that is infected and hardened by the values of the flesh and the enemy. And here's the thing. Following Jesus makes that worse. If you are not a believer in Jesus, it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy simply just to adopt the values of the culture around about. But when you follow Jesus, you begin to swim against the tide. You begin to work against the grain of a world that is against God and at enmity with him. And you also begin to groan because you know what the hope is. You know that the the whole world is seeking and looking for the fullness that will come when Christ comes and is an all in all. We wait the fullness of the adoption to be made real. So I want to finish for all of us who in this world are struggling as we seek the empowering of the Spirit in a world that is suffering. And I want to finish with a single word. Now, you have to know that I am trying really hard not to bamboozle everyone with a Greek word every week. And I've been trying to be really disciplined, but I could not help it this week. Because Romans 8 is an absolute goldmine for Greek geeks. And one of my favorite words is here. So indulge me this morning. It's so good because I think you might even get through the whole week knowing this word. And I have to tell you about it, even though I cannot pronounce it. So with a deep breath, he says, in verse 26, we read, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our suffering. The Spirit helps us. Good old NIV, a nice, simple word. The word that Paul actually uses is the word sunantilambanetai. Okay? Now, quick, 
Quick lesson. It's made up of three little bits of words. First bit, soon, means with, like synchronize or synchronicity. The second word it's made up is anti, as in anti-disestablishmentarianism or anti-whatever. Soon, anti, and then lambano means to take hold of. So bring that all together, Paul is saying, when you're up against it, the Spirit comes to be with you, to take hold of you, to stand over and against that which you're struggling with. The Spirit comes to grab a hold of you, to stand with us over and against the things that we are facing that are tough. Remember that. As you face something tough this week, the Spirit grabs a hold of me to stand with me, to be with me over and against the things that I am struggling with. And this is manifest, says Paul, in inarticulate groans. Holy Spirit groans. The world is groaning together, he says, but something happens deeply in our souls because as the Spirit draws alongside us, grabs hold of us, and stands against the things that are against God, the Spirit begins to groan within us with intercession, with prayers, and turns our aching into intercession, turns our inarticulate groans into the powerful language of heaven. You see, the anguish of a heart that is engaged in the tough areas of our world, that is burdened for the glory of God in a world that is turning from him, the, the anguish of a heart that is burdened for this world is the anguish that resonates with the Holy Spirit. You see, God promises to come alongside us. He promises his presence. He calls us to be supernatural people, to come out of this deadly world and into the life and fullness of his spirit. He assures us of his love, that we are his children. He communicates that by his spirit. This is more than words. This is more than some kind of trickery of the mind. This is God's truth applied to the deepest places of our souls. And he commits to companionship. This is the greatest gift that would get us through life, that would enable us and equip us to serve God fully in this world. And so, to wrap this up this morning, I want to say what I said to my fish. It's time to get back in the water. It's time to immerse yourself in the supernatural presence of God. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us all that we would be submerged in this wonderful Holy Spirit who leads us into the real living presence of God, who assures us of the mighty love of God at work to delight in us and to sing over us with joy and who commits to walk with us in the toughest of places, grabbing a hold of us and enabling us to call out with groans beyond words. Holy Spirit, we come. We say we need you. We are impoverished spiritually. 
And we ask that you would immerse us, submerge us in your supernatural presence. Fill us up. Flood our lives. And I just invite you to make that your prayer this morning. Not because this is a one-off or a second-off or a third-off, but because we find that the reality of God's presence can erode from our lives. And we need to continually and actively, intentionally seek to be filled with this Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you would fill us afresh again this morning. We recognize that without you, we are weak, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And we ask that you would pour afresh into our lives the living water of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that as a church community, we would be a people who are brimming over, overspilling with the life of God that you pour out into us. Lord, we thank you that you give us a spirit without measure, that you do not ration yourself because there is always more in you. There are unceasing supplies. And there may well be one or two of us who are thinking back and thinking, well, we had a lot, or I had a lot in the past, but, you know, I've maybe had my quota. But there's always more in God. There's always sufficient. There's always new wine. And so, Lord, we, we just ask that you would fill us afresh. Just come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Choose to adopt that position of being someone who exists in the supernatural presence of God. This is who I am. This is who Christ has made me. I live in Him. I choose to take hold of what you have done for me and appropriate the very life of God. I, I call it down and I call it in and I ask, Lord, that I would be filled. And I thank you for your ongoing presence. Lord, make me alert, attuned to what you're saying and to what you're doing, that the life of God might spill out over and through and from me into the, the world around about. Yeah, so thank you, Lord. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me. Mold me and fill me. Shape me, equip me, and enable me to love you, to serve you, and to share you in this world. I'm just in the quiet, just for a moment, I just want to leave that space for every one of us who would wish to, just to say, come Holy Spirit, fill my life afresh with your breath, with your power.
Thank you for listening to this week's Calling a City to Life talk. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll join us again later in the week for the chat. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.